Okay, episode 84. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Brilliant. Ready, steady, go. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Welcome everyone back to Culture Bucket, the universe's greatest podcast. This is episode 84, the third episode of discussing the universe of Breaking Bad and its various spin-offs. This week we are doing our top five characters from the universe of Breaking Bad. Exciting times, along with all our usual features such as Culture Catch-Up and MyTube and recommendations. Uh, so it's amazing to have you back with us. Thank you so much. I am your host, George, and with me is your other host, whose name is... Alex! Hi. <laughs> yes. Hi. Was that was that excited enough? Yes, good. It was very good. Well done. Full of energy. Full of energy, which is good. Energy. Dun, dun, dun. Do, you, I mean, do you know that song in uh, in the new uh, Beyonce album? No. Oh. Okay. I haven't listened to it yet. I think. Ugh, terrible. I know, sorry. Terrible. Sorry, there's a lot. Hi, George. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everyone. How are you today, George? <laughs> good. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, good, good. In the middle of the busy... Start of the school year season, etc. But um, just getting through it one day at a time. And the, the today Good. it's Sunday, so I'm thinking about it the least amount, which is lovely. Um, That's nice. Yeah. How about you? I'm. Uh, I'm. I've. I've had a pretty good week. Good. Uh, uh, last time we recorded, I just voted in election. Mm. The day after. The party that I didn't vote for won. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Which puts us in a nice position in uh, in uh, Italy. We're now far right. Although we, in Italy, we call that party um, mid-right. Right. Centro-destra. Right. Uh, but according to the rest of the world is far right. And according to the people that live here is also far right. But they don't really want to admit that. So they're, called, they're like mid mid-right. Okay. Um, I wish, I wish they just admitted they were far right, but never mind. So I uh, had um, a good night out drinking that night and uh, now I'm getting back to not thinking about it. Cool. Good. Let's not think about good it. Good times. Cheers. With a cup of teas. What are you drinking? Uh, peppermint tea. Oh, yes. I'm drinking uh, Earl Grey. Well, in fact, it's not peppermint tea. It is three mint tea. Peppermint, spearmint, and some third kind of mint. Is it is it pucker? Like yes, it is. Yeah. Is it a pucker tea? It is a pucker tea. Yeah. Best teas. Really hard to find pucker teas in Italy. Yeah, I bet it is. It's very easy to find them in the UK. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not easy to afford them though, with the value of the pound, etc., etc. Thank you, Liz Truss. So we're doing very well. We're doing very well in England and we're doing very well in Italy. It's a great political climate. Yes, I spent um, I spent my last £2.50 on a case of 15 bags of Pucker tea and it's, it's fine. 
That will get me through the next two, <laughs> two weeks until payday. So it's all good. That's good. Cheers. Maybe maybe you should just plant a mint tree and then make your mint tree. They're not trees. A mint plant <laughs> and make your own <laughs> mint tea. Yeah. I mean, I live in an attic that I can barely afford. So not. No, can't do that. Anyway, well, you know. let's move on. Anywho, cheers to the tea drinkers. Yeah. So, I once again, I come to you asking for reviews on Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. Uh, I hear tell that we have some new reviews potentially, but they're not showing up when I check. <laughs> and that's all I can say about that. I'll check again later, and we might read some out if we get some more reviews. Please do some reviews. It would be so helpful and lovely. Thank you so much. Um on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., 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 and that's that. Tell your friends about us. Let's have an enjoyable time together. Any other housekeeping, Alex? Well, maybe you could say with a little bit more <laughs> enthusiasm. So, it's <laughs> lots of enthusiasm. Do a review. Yeah. Do a, rate, do a rate review. And re- rate and review. Well, and yeah. I asked last time, and uh... nobody did it. <laughs> But it's fine. I'm very excited to have people do reviews for us. If you do a review for us, I'll read it out with a lot of gusto and excitement. Gusto. Mm-hmm. It's a meal service Good. in the UK. You can get um, chicken fajitas from them. So. Oh, there used to be a cafe gusto as well. Oh, yeah, they yeah. did, yeah. Yep. So, yay for that. Yay. Uh, culture catch-up time. Culture catch up time! This is Culture Catch Up Time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Okay, my turn to start this week, yes? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I have been mostly watching uh, some TV this week. And uh, a mm-hmm. couple of movies that I'll talk about. Starting with, I've been catching up on finally watching properly and finishing the first season of DC's animated Harley Quinn TV series. Mm. Mm. Have you ever seen any of this? Nope. Nope. It is. Uh, it started. When did it start? In like twenty nineteen. Yeah, end of twenty nineteen. It started, and I watched a couple of episodes and enjoyed it. But then it was on a streaming service in the UK called All Four which is not one I enjoy. It's a streaming service for Channel 4, and they put adverts on it, etc., etc. And um, mm. they, they're one of these ones where they put something on, then it disappears, and da-da. so I didn't, I, I didn't watch it quickly enough, and it went off, and I couldn't watch it, etc. But I finally, it went on sale on Amazon Video, so I bought the series digitally there and watched it and was exceptionally pleasantly surprised. It's um, amazing. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, it features an incredible voice cast. It's got Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn, and she is oh. um, off of The Big Bang Theory, which I've never watched, but I think people like her from that. And she was in a show recently called The Flight Attendant, which people really enjoyed. And uh, she's yeah, I would like to watch that actually. Yeah, I want to watch it at some point. But she's she's very well cast as this. She does a perfect sort of, I guess it's like a Brooklyn accent that that, that um mm. Harley Quinn has, similar to Margot Robbie's in the in the live action films. Um, yeah. Lake Bell, uh, who is a, a very talented voice actress, and you will potentially know her from the film Man Up, I think it's called, with Simon Pegg. That's what I've seen her in. 
she's very good in that film. Maybe not you personally, okay. Alex, but people might know her from that. Uh, she's she's good. Lake Bell's good, and and is uh, dating Chris Rock, which I didn't know until I was uh, looking up stuff about this show. Not that that's relevant to Harley Quinn, but just a thing that's true. Uh, and also Alan Tudyk, who is a voice actor that's appeared in like every Disney animated movie of the past 15 years, probably. And um, voices, various, he voices the robot droid in Rogue One and uh, loads of other stuff. Oh. Anyway, he voices Clayface and a load of other characters in it. You've got Tony Hale from Arrested Development and Veep voices Dr. Psycho. Um, and there's loads more. Anyway, point being, it's an adult animated comedy show in the vein of, I don't know... Maybe Rick and Morty, but I don't really like Rick and Morty anymore, but it's kind of like, you know, it's mm. got a lot of violence and swearing, etc. in it, and it's very kind of, um, yeah, of that type. Um, but it follows the character of Harley Quinn as she just realises that the Joker is not a good supportive partner to have and <laughs> leaves the Joker in the first episode, and then the first season is her setting out on her own to try and become a supervillain mm. in her own right and run butting up against various other DC animated characters um, who are all sort of slightly twisted, quite funny versions of themselves. Commissioner Gordon, for example, is a alcoholic with wife problems who's always complaining to Batman <laughs> about his marriage and stuff and wishing that <laughs> Batman was a closer friend to him. Um, and uh, it's... Really, really, really funny. I was really surprised by how funny it was, but also as the season went along, uh, the first season, I was most surprised by how emotional it is and how kind of how well they do this character of Harley Quinn and they really do look and examine what it would be like to have like got out of what is uh, you know an abusive relationship effectively and mm. trying to start your own life and it kind of. It's it's interesting. She's a very personal character and she makes mistakes throughout the first season and there was one episode in particular where I actually felt really sad while I was watching it, which was um, not an emotional oh. response I expected to get from it. And yeah, it's um, good. It's now on its third season and uh, I've not seen... The, the I've just started watching the second season now, but supposedly the third season, which is aired in America over the summer, is um, incredible um, and it's getting just endless praise and good reviews. So uh, I decided to give it a go. And yeah, everyone's correct. If you haven't watched the Harley Quinn animated series yet, give it a go. Irritatingly difficult to watch in the UK. It's not for free on any particular service, but mm. um, it's worth the price of admission on something like a Prime Video Store, Google Play Store, or whatever. It's um, worth dropping a couple of pounds, okay. and I think it's, it's, it's good. It's really, really good. So yeah, well done to them on, on Harley Quinn. Oh, and my favourite thing is that the Bane character in it... Um, speaks exactly like Tom Hardy in the Batman movies and they make they make a lot of fun of um that type of guy and it's very funny. Um so yeah other than that uh, the latest Star Wars series has hit Disney Plus Andor uh the trials and tribulations of Cassian Andor from the Rogue One movies. Mm. Have you watched any of this Alex? No. Nope. So uh, not yet though. Not yet. But you liked Andor, right? I mean you liked Rogue One. Yeah, I did like Rogue One, yeah. Yeah. So it this this is set, I think. Uh opening episode says it's set five BBY, which I think is five years before the Battle of Yavin, which I think is the Death Star attack at the end of the first Star Wars movie. So it's set broadly five years before the events of Rogue One ish. Mm. Um and I think we're gonna get two seasons total and it will lead up to kind of this where we find Andor at the start of the Rogue One film. Um 
as as it is, I've watched four episodes of the first season, which I think is going to have twelve in total. Um, it's had a it's had a pretty mixed response. I think uh, in terms of streaming numbers, it's supposedly not doing quite as well as stuff like Obi Wan Kenobi, but that's to be expected because it doesn't have a huge. It doesn't have a Darth Vader in it. It doesn't have any lightsabers in it. Um, it's it's the first time now I think they've done a spin-off based on something that was already made by Disney. It's not really got any legacy Star Wars mm. stuff in it, but it's they've based it on the best thing Disney have done with Star Wars so far, in my opinion, which is Rogue One, other than Last Jedi, but I won't get into arguments with people about that one. Um, it, the thing I like about it is that it feels like a lived-in world the characters in it are given space and room to breathe and it's resulted in some accusations of it being really slow and boring and they they put mm. up three episodes at once they put up the first three episodes on the same day and i saw a lot of people being like oh well you watch episode one you can tell why it's you know why they've put up three episodes because you, you you wouldn't like it if you only watched episode one i watched episode one and i thought it was excellent i really enjoyed it they haven't filmed it on as much of it, at least on the volume, which they filmed the other Star Wars stuff on, which is this um, thing John Favreau mm-hmm. created that kind of creates creates a digital backdrop on huge screens around the cast. So it's mm-hmm. sort of like rather than being in front of a green screen, it's better for the cast because um, it creates the world around them. But ultimately, they still are acting to like a flat panel. Yeah. For Andor, they went out into the world and they built sets and created sets and filmed in real locations. Ooh, and you can, nice. I think you can tell it looks like a real mm. world. It doesn't just look like a kind of flat desert like a lot of um the Star Wars TV stuff looks in my opinion. Um and you know, as part of that the characters are a little bit odd and strange. Mm-hmm. Uh there's the bad guys in the first couple of episodes are like this private military corporation who are like um hired by the empire to, to do uh, security work on planets that the empire aren't particularly interested in. And the episode, the first episode basically opens with Andor getting into a confrontation with a couple of these security guys, killing them and escaping. And uh, the, uh, one of the guys, one of the lieutenants in the security force decides it's his mission to find out who's killed these men and take them down. And, and it, it's a real, they sort of, treat it like it's their holy mission to find Andor and take him out kind of thing. And it's it's quite funny almost watching how seriously they take this um hmm. this idea that they have to find Andor. Um it also features Stellan Skarsgard, who's what one of my favourite actors. Uh he played uh, Duke Harkonnen in Dune and he's been in just a ton of other things as well. He plays a mysterious rebel who recruits Andor in the first couple of episodes and, and uh, is obviously going to be his gateway into the world of uh, being a true member of the rebellion and a rebel spy um, and yeah by the end of the fourth episode not tons has happened necessarily but mm. it's all been very engaging and interesting in my opinion I really if you're kind of unsure about it I'd recommend that you check it out because um, I think it's I think it's really good and I think it's doing something slightly different and I think Gabriel Luna in the role of Cassian Andor is is fantastic. It's really great to see him back in that world and as that character. And he's just got a lot of... He's one of these actors who can portray a lot of character and a lot of depth without much script, without much to say. You, but he, you really feel kind of what he's going through. Yeah, so... It's good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. good. How, how long are the episodes? The episodes are about 30 to 40 minutes long. 
Okay. We've got thirty five to like they 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 normally show up as being about forty five minutes, but the mm. for whatever reason the credits on all these Disney Plus shows run about six seven oh. minutes. So <laughs> if an episode says it's forty five <laughs> so minutes, it's probably under forty minutes. Yeah. You're actually going to be watching it, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's worth it's worth the uh, time, in my opinion. I think it's great. Andor. Uh, the only other one to talk is uh, She Hulk is nearly finished. Uh, the seventh episode aired this week out of nine, I think, for season one. And uh, I am absolutely loving She Hulk. I think it's fantastic. I think Tatiana Maslany in the role of She Hulk is brilliant. And um, I think it's settled in in the mid season. It's settled into a rhythm of being a bit of a sitcom. It set up all the characters in mm. her world, and she was just having sort of various different little adventures with Wong or with Tim Roth as the Abomination. Uh, like in the most recent episode, is set mostly entirely around um, her going to see Tim Roth's character in some like retreat. He's set up as like a kind of a anger management clinic uh, with various like D list Marvel characters staying there to get over there. Uh, various mm-hmm. upsets, including a vampire, which might be our first little peek into the world of Blade, which is coming in a couple of years. And um, oh, cool! Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's full of weird little references to the world of Marvel. I enjoy the fourth wall breaking that She Hulk does, talking mm-hmm. to the camera and stuff. And yeah, it's good. And there's two episodes left, and we've been guaranteed that in at least one of those two episodes, we are going to get some Daredevil action, which I'm pretty excited to. Um, Oh, to see Charlie Cox on screen again. As yeah, I haven't, I haven't really got uh, around to watching it, but I think I will. I think you should. I think you like it. It's really funny and light-hearted, and it doesn't expect too much of you. And the episodes aren't that long. Um, it's good. I think it's had some criticism for not being, not having enough of an overarching plot. Not it. There's no big mm-hmm. mystery that's ongoing. There's a there's a sort of a thing with people trying to steal She Hulk's blood, but it it's. It'll obviously play into the finale, but it's not like this. It's not like how Moon Knight was like a story told over however many chapters. This feels much more episodic, which is by design. It's not like a mistake. People kind of review it as Mm. if as if they've they've forgotten to put an overarching story and they've intentionally done it something different. And that you know we're getting so much Marvel content nowadays that I think we need to have light and shade and stuff like that so no 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 everything, everything has to be the same everything has to be the same and about the end of the world and a big beam of yes. light shooting into the sky yes. and only she hulk can stop it this week because everyone else is busy no yeah <laughs> everybody else is busy yes <laughs> no she hulk is having fun she's a lawyer she's lawyering around She's helping Wong deal with magicians that are using the uh, Supreme Arts wrong and stuff like that. It's fun. It's fun. (laughs) It's good stuff. Uh, So, yeah, those are the TV shows. Harley Quinn and or She-Hulk, all good, all worth watching. Um, I just this morning watched the sixth episode of Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings show, and it was a good episode. Big action in it. Ends with a pretty monumental thing happening that's quite, quite cool to see. But, like, episodes three to five were death in my opinion so i don't know if it's quite worth it are people still hating on it yeah people are hate some people are liking it people are hating on it it's just a whole boring thing and when you've got stuff like andor she hulk harley quinn which is just hitting it every week um house of the dragon is on at the moment and it's absolutely incredible i love house of the dragon um Mm. i think it's as good as game of thrones was at its peak i just think rings of power is not quite doing it but you know whatever right a couple of films i saw this week uh last monday uh, i had a tough day at work uh so i went to see a big pile of frothy nonsense uh <laughs> the george clooney julia roberts rom-com ticket to paradise 
directed by Al Parker. Yes. Yeah, which is a recording. It isn't yeah. actually out in America yet, which I find bizarre. It came out like a month ahead in the UK for some reason. Wow. Yeah, despite being this big sort of American rom-com. Um, none of the character names matter, so I'm not going to bother looking them up. George Clooney plays a guy. <laughs> he is... He's a he's a man in his middle age and he's a grumpy guy. He's got grey hair and he, he's got a job and his job involves... He's one of those guys that stands on a construction site. He's wearing a hard hat, but also yeah. he's wearing a business suit, and he's looking at some nice. blue. He's looking at some blueprints. So he's an important guy. I don't know what he does, but he's an important guy. He's obviously got a lot of money. Goes to the construction site in his suit, but he wears a hard hat because safety matters. That's George Clooney. Julia Roberts plays a lady, similar age, of course, and she works in an art capacity in some description we first meet her sat in an auction she's bidding on things she's bidding sixty thousand dollars she's bidding seventy thousand dollars she doesn't care the next time we see her she's in a big room it's full of art there are people moving the art around and she's got a desk so she presumably is in charge in some capacity so you've got an art woman and a, and a, a construction guy <laughs> they used to be married they were married for five years, they had a child, and then they broke up and they hate each other. And George Clooney says, oh. it was the worst 17 years of my life. And she's like, we're only married for five years. And he's like, I'm counting the recovery. And all the sparks are <laughs> flying. They just detest each other. They really hate each other. Lovely. Yeah. Their daughter is um, played by Caitlin Dever, who uh, is in Booksmart and is you know wonderful actress. I think Caitlin Dever's the best and um, always happy mm. to see her in stuff, uh, including this. She has just finished her... Uh, studying at university to become a lawyer. She's going to go and work for some hotshot um, place in Chicago, I think, to be a lawyer. But before she goes lawyering, she's going to take a summer holiday in lovely Bali with her best friend, played by Billy Lord, uh, daughter of the late Carrie Fisher, who is a fantastic actress in her own right. Mm. Also appeared in Booksmart and um, yeah. has really bizarrely small roles in various Star Wars movies for some reason. But um, is... is <laughs> No, I know. I get why she's in the Star Wars movies. <laughs> But it feels very much like, yes, give a cameo to Carrie Fisher's daughter, but also Carrie Fisher's daughter is a very talented actress. Give her maybe yeah. a bigger role. I don't know. Anyway, I like I like Billy Lord. She's great. Um, in it, well, though she is kind of, she she is kind of uh, carving a niche for herself in playing like messy alcoholics because she she's a she's a messy drunk in Booksmart, and she's a me- she's oh, a yeah. messy drunk in this movie, which is fine if you want to be yeah. a young messy drunk. That's all good. Don't, you know, just look after yourself, etc. But uh, she's definitely, like, <laughs> playing a type for some reason. But they go on holiday to Bali. Caitlin Dever meets a seaweed fisherman uh, played by... Let's find the name of this guy because he's pretty good in the film. Maxime Boutier. Okay. And he doesn't have his own uh, Wikipedia page, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, but, yeah, Maxime Boutier plays Gidi, Gidi. I, I can't remember how they pronounce his name in the movie, despite having seen it. But it's spelt G E D E. So he plays, she plays, he plays Gidi or GD. Kelly never meets him, immediately, immediately falls in love with him because it's that kind of oh. movie. Cut to six weeks later, she's decided she is staying in Bali permanently and she's marrying GD or Gidi. And um, what do you reckon George Clooney and Julie Roberts do when they catch wind of this? They're going to go to Bali and rescue their they're daughter. They're going to go to Bali, they're going to rescue their daughter. But what's the complication? The complication is that they hate each other. Oh, the sparks yes. will fly when they get there. Uh, from that setup, you can predict exactly what happens and exactly how the movie ends, and you would be right um, probably 99% of the time. Um, yeah. But the movie got like at least five or six laughs out of me while I was watching it. 
and um, it's sort of fine if you want a to relax if you want yeah. a chill relaxing time that's not going to stress you or challenge you too much you can do much worse than some time in the company of Julia Roberts and George Clooney who are two naturally yeah. funny people it's fine. The mo- well, it's always nice to watch films with them, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like exactly. It's the first rom com that George Clooney has done since like nineteen ninety six or something mad. Oh. Yeah, so I guess well, for whatever reason this dragged him back into that world. Uh it ends with a freeze frame, and then we cut to uh, on set bloopers over the credits. It's it's that kind of movie. Ah, oh, yeah. love because George Clooney's he's just such a joker, isn't he? He's just such a comedian. Yeah. So he's having a. Did it help your mood uh, watching that film? Did you feel a little bit more elated? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. But also, it is just a touch. Um, like, it's not too long necessarily. I'm not making that complaint. But like, the story is so paper thin that by the end, I was like, I've had enough now, and I didn't watch all of the bloopers. I didn't need all of George mm. Clooney's. Um, goofing about but uh, i'm sure other people will get much more time out of that so yeah that's tickets paradise watch it it's, it's, it's fine it's good uh next i went to see a movie that i was convinced was going to be absolutely terrible because it has been f- trailered before every film i've seen for it feels like the past year and the trailer for it is appalling yeah and it is the movie the 2022 horror film smile mm. have you seen the trailer for smile alex no. Oh, wow. Smile is a movie uh, ri- written and directed by Parker Finn. Okay. Stars mm-hmm. an actress called Sosie Bacon, along with various other people. Uh, none of whom I particularly knew, except for, oh, Jesse T. Usher, who's in The Boys' as A-Train, plays her fiancé, and Cal Penn, who is out of American Pie, and uh, Harold and Kumar, and various other things, plays her mm. boss. She is a doctor, a therapist, who in the opening sequence is asked after a monumentally long, like 30 hour shift, she's about to go home, but she ends up being pulled in to uh, see this patient who's turned up in the hospital she works in uh, with paranoid delusions. And she describes to um, the lead character uh, who is called Rose. She describes to Rose a scenario in which she witnessed her lecturer at the university she goes to uh, beat himself to death with a hammer, uh, which is obviously not pleasant. And she said that while he was doing it, he was okay. smiling and it was an unpleasant smile. And since mm. that event, uh, less than a week ago, she has been haunted by a presence that she says wears other people's skin and follows her around and says awful things to her and makes her and smiles at her and she describes a smile as being um chilling and making her you know wish that she was dead kind of thing she then has a wow a, a manic episode and brutally ends her life in front of rose uh, which is obviously um pretty traumatizing the movie then you know, what's happening here is that there is a presence of some description that is jumping from person to person through this extreme trauma of making them witness a um, a suicide, effectively. Although it's not a, it's not a suicide, to be clear, because it's they're being controlled by this presence. And then it haunts the person for a week or so until it can then, you know, cause them to do something and then move on that way. So this is very similar to uh, a film like The Ring, in which a haunted videotape mm. follows people. It's similar to a film like It Follows, in which a presence uh, follows people through um, sexual activities. What a weird way to describe it. Um <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, but in this instance, it's trauma that passes the uh, the the curse along and around and stuff. The trailer for it's horrendous. It it just it just I don't know why, but the the way they cut the trailer for it makes it look like the cheapest crappiest slasher movie of all time what it actually mm. is is and this is a term that people don't like and it's not a great term but like elevated horror film meaning like a hereditary or a midsummer or like you know mm. a kind of like fancy horror movie which people use to kind of imply that it's better than a horror movie which isn't true it's just a it's just a certain type of horror film it, and it's like a low-rent version of one of those movies. It's not doing anything particularly new, like like Hereditary felt like a, a breath of fresh air kind of thing. It's not like that. But it is exceptionally competently made. Uh, I think that I think this is the debut film from Parker Thin, and, uh, or the debut feature film, at least. And uh, she does a really good job. There's a couple of camera shots within the first five minutes that are really kind of assured and, and feel quite... Um, like somebody making quite a specific choice and it, it just felt like within the first five minutes I was like, oh, we're in quite safe hands here. I kind of, I feel like I, this person knows mm. what they're doing and it's full of, like it is full of jump scares, um, but it doesn't feel cheap. The jump scares don't feel cheap. They build really well and it's like being on a roller coaster. You can sense that feeling of build up and then it all kind of comes crashing down and I really, I did really, really enjoying it. Like when I walked out, I, I thought I, I liked it. And in the days since thinking about it more and more, I kind of can't wait to watch it again. And, mm. um, I, you know, yeah, I think it might be a minor classic in the making, but like minor, not like, you know, a perfect movie or anything, but it's a lot of fun. And, uh, People smiling creepily is uh, is a, is an effective and chilly thing to yeah, do. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even the the poster of it, oh. I just looked at it. It's horrendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna dream about that tonight. And it it has at least two sequences that build to such an insane crescendo that I was actually laughing in the cinema. But you know when you laugh because you don't know what else to do, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, there were there were yeah. two moments in the movie where I was like, this is this is so insane. What's happening on the screen right now? And that's enjoy. That's good. That's kind of a feeling you want with a horror film. So yeah. I enjoyed Smile. I was expecting to hate it, but I really, really liked it. Um, and that's me done for Culture Catch-Up. Nice. Yeah, so uh, some some good TV on, some good films to go and see in the cinema. I'd recommend most of what I Do you think um, in the scale from, you know, Get Out to The Ring, where would you put Smile and could I watch it? Um, it's not really... I mean, those two... Oh, cause, cause, get out's not scary, right? Is yeah. That um, yeah. have you seen the ring? Yeah. Well, I've seen the American version. And what did you think of that? Well, I did not spend much time in the room I was watching it in, <laughs> but um, but I did watch a lot of it. I thought it was pretty terrifying. I think it's closer to the ring than get out. I don't think it's okay. as scary as the ring. Um, I think you could probably watch it. It has. It has a couple of... It does have a handful of sequences of quite unpleasant gore, which would mm. put you off. But it's not a, no, it's not a gory movie. It's not like a saw or mm. something. And it doesn't... I don't think it revels in the gore. It just shows the effects of what this curse is doing to people kind of thing. I think you could watch it, but it would be on the upper end of things that you would um, want to manage. But it's an interesting film. It's not just like, here's a guy in a mask and he's got a knife and all the things he's going to do. It's not that kind of film. Hmm. So, yeah, it might be worth trying one day. I wouldn't go and see yeah. it in the cinema. I don't think you should watch it in the cinema. Other people no. should. It's a definitely a cinema trip, but... <laughs> not no. me. But... Cool. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice indeed. What have you got? So uh, I've got a couple of uh, uh, TV things that I watched on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched this um, series. Uh, I think it's limited. I think I don't think they're going to do another one called The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl <sighs> in the Window. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I do. You've heard, I can assume that you've heard about I it. Have. What What's your pre- preconception of it? Since you seem to be a bit um, already. Uh, it's a parody of movies like Gone Girl, and uh, the Woman in the Window, obviously, and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. But stretched across a limited series, and yeah. also, to yeah. my understanding, total dog shit. Uh well we'll see. Okay. So yeah, it is a parody about uh, all these films, and it stars uh, Kristen Bell as the woman on the window by the window, uh, and uh, her ex husband uh, Michael Ely. Her daughter died in a horrific and crazy way, like insane, like not unrealistic way. Right. And um, after her death, um, she and her husband break up, and she spends her days. Uh, drinking glasses of wine, but like glasses of wine that one bottle is one glass. Yeah, I've seen that in the trailer. I remember that <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And um, watching outside her window and having like you know having a moment. Um, her husband is has gone, and she has new um uh, neighbors that live in front. And she, uh, she thinks that she has uh, witnessed. Well, the the guy that moves in is very attractive, played by Tom Riley, and um, she starts thinking that um, he is uh, he has murdered his uh, girlfriend. Um, it's really weird because you have to watch it with real uh, irony. I really enjoyed watching this. I think it's real good fun because it's so stupid and I think it wants to be stupid. Like the way mm. their daughter dies is ridiculous. The way she drinks these glasses of wine, which are not glasses of wine, like they're just these pints of wine. It's so funny. She always brings a chicken casserole, which is looks like the most disgusting thing that she could possibly bring. <laughs> and everybody like goes, I love chicken casserole. And... Um, it's so, it's so over the top that I really enjoyed it. I think it's so much fun. Kristen Bell is amazing to watch, and I, I, I really enjoy watching it. Uh, I saw the reviews, and um, you know, people are like really uh, negative about it. But I think, I think if you just you just need to watch it with like complete and utter irony. I found it really fun and there's there's a scene um towards the end where uh her and um this guy Rex have a little affair and the way they actually have sex is like one of the funniest things like I laughed the entire scene because it's so funny because it's so over the top it's ridiculous so I I kind of like if you don't take this series too this series too seriously that was a mouthful. If you don't take this series too seriously, I think it's really a good watch. But then, you know, the, some things are just so stupid. You go like, mm. but um, I enjoyed it. Interesting. Would you Would you watch it? I don't know. I, from your description of it, it sounds like t- 
tonally, it's the kind of parody that I just don't really like in mm. terms of films like, you know, like Scary Movie and stuff. Is it sort of in that vein a little bit? No, no, no. It's much, it's much, I feel like it's, it's, it's not that on the nose. Right. And I think that that's also the problem because you have to kind of like realise that how things are done are just like, it, we're living in a world that doesn't really exist. This is not our normal world. Mm. You know, it's just, it's not so on the nose, but I would give it a go if you f- like semi-intelligent parodies about things. Like okay. it's not, yeah. Okay. Mm. If it was a film, I'd probably watch it. I think I think maybe that's why people didn't really like it because it's not as obvious as a parody as Scary Movie or those um, uh, what they called, um, the ones with um, oh, I don't really know the name in English, uh, Hot Shots. Oh yeah, 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 with Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah, uh, those kind of old school ones, but um. I I I think it's a little bit less less clear as a parody, and that's why you kind of just have to enjoy the ride. And Kristen Bell is amazing in it; like mm. she's so great. Yeah. Um, and she's always perfect. She drinks wine constantly, and she takes loads of medicines, and but she's always perfectly um, made out. She's got makeup on, and she's just perfect, and. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's 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 fun. I I enjoyed it, and then I watched this Netflix documentary, which um, I would recommend to people be- to see how uh, a side of Italy that maybe you wouldn't see, and like the kind of insane side of like telesales in Italy. Right. So there's this Netflix documentary called uh, Fortune Seller. A TV scam, and is about uh, this um, uh, telesales woman called Vanna Marchi and her daughter, who uh, started selling these like cream products, uh, slimming cream products mm. on the telly, uh, telesales. Uh, but the way they sell is insane. So it kind of rem- <laughs> took me back to my childhood when in like in the 90s, at the beginning of the 90s, like every other channel, there will be these people screaming at you, telling you, you need to buy this and you need to buy this. And, uh, and it's it's insane. And but then after the slimming creams uh, happened, they started selling uh, luck. So there were such good saleswomen and they played on Italians because Italians are really superstitious. Mm. So they played on Italians' emotions and and it was after the boom. So people had a little bit more money um, and and they started selling luck. But they started they started like exploiting people. And then it, it's, it's the story about these two women that went from like having everything and selling slimming creams to then uh selling luck and then getting you know uh punished for it mm. because how can you sell luck but that's the thing they were selling nothing and they were making millions of lira insane uh but uh why i would write i like the the problem of this series is there's no trigger warnings because it's italian 
So uh, just if you want to watch it, just remember that these people are insane and they're not talking specifically at you uh, because they like talking about uh, she calls uh, women names. She goes like, oh, you're a this and that. You need this cream. And, uh, it's, it's, and then when they start selling luck, they start um, they start saying, you know, things about your family. So uh, watch it if you're in a good state of mind and and if you're not going to be uh, triggered by certain things because in Italy there's no trigger warnings, everything is fine. Um, I realise how important those are sometimes so then people don't have to go through certain things. Mm. But, yeah. Um, I would recommend you to watch it as uh, George, maybe just the first 20 minutes because you'll just, I like some of the telesales of the guys, you'll just laugh because they're so crazy. And when I watch it, like I need George to see at least 20 minutes of this. It, yeah. But I would recommend the entire four episodes. But uh, by the third, fourth, I started getting a little bit, um because they really scammed people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they really, and they never, ever, reg- they never regretted what they'd done. Like they said, well, if you're stupid and you want to buy luck from me, it's your fault. Right. So, yeah, it's insane. And by the episode four, you go, oh, but it's just, it's amazing because I grew up by knowing her and then I completely forgot about this Vanna Marchi and she's from near Bologna as well. Wow. So, yeah, and um, I knew about her. She was very famous and I knew she sold luck, but then, you know, certain things just like go out of your way and I never realised how bad her and her daughter were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, if you're not interested in the subject, uh, just watch the first 20 minutes because they're so funny. No, it sounds fascinating. I'll, I'll definitely give it a yeah. go. I haven't heard of it at all. Is it, is it all in Italian, like the, the sort of... Yeah. Right, that's fine. Yeah. Obviously, that's fine. I'm not yeah. like a weird yeah. Italian racist yeah. or anything. No, it sounds great. But... But you, you it's also interesting because they have Bolognese accent. Right. So they speak a like dish. So just real thick. <laughs> and so it's quite um, heartwarming. But uh, yeah, um, good series on Netflix. I hope they have it. I hope I've just checked. It just I've just checked. It's on. I can get it. Yeah. yeah. So people, people yeah, can watch it's it. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And how, how, like, just how Italy was and how. I don't, I don't know anyone that would buy fortune from anybody. You know, it's insane, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Matt, I, I, I don't quite understand what you're saying. I need to watch it to understand what you mean. Yeah. Like what arrived in the yeah. post? Uh, in the post, it would arrive maybe numbers or maybe some salt. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, okay. Lottery numbers. Right. Okay. <laughs> if the salt melted, some things would happen. If the salt didn't melt, then you had to phone again. Like, you have, it's, in, it's insane, but it was... I, I, I kind of binged it, and maybe that's why I had a. I was a bit. <laughs> I was a bit. <laughs> maybe upset by the end, yeah. but um, it's um, it's fascinating. And then uh, I watched uh one film and a half. Okay. I'll talk about the the one that I watched whole. Okay. Uh, called a twenty twenty film uh called uh dating Amber. Okay. Uh, which has uh, many um actors, uh, the like the two main actors. Uh, f- oh, the they're all gonna be Irish. So if I butcher the names, I apologize. Really, uh, the main two characters are Fine or Share or She. For yeah. Uh yeah. Huh. Fi- yeah. Fi- Fion? Fion, I think. Fion. Fion? 
Fionn O'Shea. Fionn O'Shea. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, Lola Pettigrew. And then there's also Sharon Horgan, oh, which lovely. I love. Uh, Barry Ward, and they play um, Fiat Fionn's uh, parents. And um, it's about these uh, two uh, kids uh, that are in high school in uh, somewhere outside of Dublin. Uh, and it's set in 1995, which was the year after uh, homosexuality was decriminalized in um, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like sexual like all the boys are trying to like push uh eddie played by uh fiona she to like have sex or to touch boobs and he just doesn't feel like that and uh because he just he, he doesn't feel like it and then uh, and so they start calling him gay and so he's feeling a little bit mm, of course uh boys are boys are mean and then uh he uh amber sees all of this um all of this uh happening and she knows that she might not be interested in boys and so her and eddie make a pact that they are going to pretend to be boyfriend and girlfriend so everybody will leave them alone Uh... and they can just do the last uh year of school without people um without people bothering them. Uh, with this, uh, a beautiful friendship is born, but also um, whilst Amber uh, <sighs> becomes more aware of what her sexuality is, uh, Eddie is finding it more and more difficult. So they have this nice friendship and it's just about uh, them trying to deal with uh, their sexuality in uh, Ireland uh, in 1995. Um, it's a... Uh, really lovely movie uh i've really really enjoyed it uh it's uh it's a coming of age comedy it's set in a time where things were more difficult uh when you you know and also in a place because they were not in dublin they were outside dublin but also they were in ireland which is an extremely uh catholic country and so and the you know, it's not, it's never easy. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It's a really uh, lovely, sweet film full of feels. And uh, maybe because it came out in 2020, it didn't have a lot of, because I, I didn't hear about it. I just saw it on Amazon Prime and I thought it would be interesting to watch. And uh, maybe didn't have the recognition that it needs, but it's a lovely, lovely film. And you can find it on Amazon Prime. Nice. I actually yes. was going to watch it a couple of years ago when it came out and I didn't get round to it. Mm. I'd forgotten about it. Uh, but it sounds wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful. And then I watched one hour of uh, the Netflix uh, film Blonde. Big movie. Uh, the new, yeah, the two hour and 47 minutes film uh, about... Apparently, um, Marilyn Monroe uh, has got uh, it stars Anna de Armas uh, as Marilyn Monroe, uh, Adrian Brody as Arthur Miller, Bobby Cannavale as Jodie Maggio, and then other people that are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, the only uh, so I only watched an hour because after an hour I just I don't I didn't think I could take it anymore of this. Wow. Uh, it's a very long film. It's uh, it's very uh, exploitative of uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, it does not give Marilyn Monroe justice. Um, Anna de Armas is amazing in it. She does her best. She's there are some scenes in the first hour that you're just amazed by her her acting skills and the passion that she puts in her acting, but the film is just so. sad and uh weirdly sexual but in a very strange way like they had to they had to like add things that maybe are not real like it's not a biopic about marlin it's like maybe what happened behind the scenes or something um it's just and it's so sad and grim and it doesn't it doesn't show the the intelligence and the beauty of this incredible person that had a tragic life, but it, that's not all it made. That's not all what she was. She was also an actress that worked really hard and made herself from nothing. And I can't talk for the rest of the movie. I'm just talking for the first hour. And the first hour is just grimness. And, um, and I just, I didn't, I felt it was I felt sorry for Anna de Armas for being in this film and it was I think is a missed opportunity because Anna de Armas is such a great Marilyn they could have made an incredible film and instead I think the director uh, I think his name is Andrew Dominic has got this it I I don't know it just I th- who wrote it I don't even know who wrote it I don't know if he wrote it as well but it just seems like very very weird perception and grim perception of Marilyn Monroe and I just I just had I switched off because I couldn't I was I couldn't face another two hours of it (laughs) it was just too much like if it had been 90 minutes another half an hour I would have done yeah I was like I'll watch it all but I couldn't face another two hours and so I didn't watch it and I feel and it, it made me it actually kind of made me a little bit upset about it because mm. i just felt like it was so and un- what they were doing was so unnecessary and i know they wanted to show how hollywood how bad hollywood is we know why make this voyeuristic weird thing about how she was exploited we know actors actresses especially got exploited and, and we can't we can look at that absolutely and but I th- I think you can also look at that in a bet in a less voyeuristic way. Mm. But also, why can we not celebrate the idol that she was? There hasn't been another Mar- Marilyn Monroe since. So, why can we not celebrate her and make her the uh, not the tragic character, but the amazing actress she was? And you have Anna de Armas that she can do anything and her accent I thought was perfect she was ima- she was amazing and I'm so disappointed and I'm, I'm sad about it maybe I'll watch the next but maybe I'll watch another hour one time and then another hour next time but uh, the hour that I watched was grim yeah I haven't I yeah. haven't watched it yeah I was I was excited about it the trailers were good it was based on a book by Joyce Carol Oates 
um, mm. who... So the, the two things sapped my interest in watching the movie over the past week or so. The first mm. one was... Um, I, I read a news article that linked to a couple of tweets that Joyce Carol Oates has made that portray her as maybe the world's most humorless person uh, that's ever lived. So the first one is somebody posted this around Halloween last year, which is, uh, I, I'll show it to you, Alex, and you can describe it. I don't know if you can see it on my phone screen. Um, it's a house, a two-story house, yeah. I guess, in America. Yeah. Uh, maybe New York. Yeah, can you see the de- what the yeah. decorations are on it? No, no, it's I can't see the decorations. It's got um plastic skeletons climbing up the side of the house uh, as like a Halloween mm. decoration. Uh, okay. It's been pretty well done. And somebody's written, wish I'd thought of this. Uh, that's that's the original tweet, yeah? Yeah. Joyce Carol Oates has, 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 quote, has responded to the tweet with her tweet, which says, so she's commenting on somebody who's decorated the house for Halloween with a load of skeletons climbing up it. And she's, Joyce mm-hmm. Carol Oates has written, you can always recognise a place in which no one is feeling much or any grief for a lost loved one and death dying and everyone you love decomposing to bones is just a joke. What? I'll, I'll read it again. Because I had to read it a couple of times to, to understand what, what point okay. she's making. So she's talking about this house, right? So you can always recognise a place in which no one is feeling much or any grief for a lost loved one and death, dying, and everyone you love decomposing to bones is just a joke. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah, like, so she's saying that in that house nobody's feeling grief. No, because... So that's why they have skeletons Because cu- little everywhere. little silly skeletons means that, that they're, yeah. they're incapable of feeling any emotion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, for that uh the other tweet uh which again presents her as an idiot in my opinion is somebody's posted this photograph which again you might find it difficult to tell what it is but i don't know oh it's uh it's from jurassic park isn't yep it? it's steven spielberg sat in front of the yeah. the model of the oh, yeah. of the stick uh sick mm. um what is it it's a, it's a is it a stegosaurus no triceratops um triceratops and somebody's somebody's Posted that photo with the with the joke caption. This guy thinks it's cool to kill defenseless animals, then take a selfie. Jerk. <laughs> Sorry, that's so funny. Yeah, parodying the de- the American dentists yeah. that go and do safari and shoot lions yeah. and stuff. Right. Joyce yeah. Carol Oates hasn't spent more than a moment looking at this photo, and she's written so barbaric that this should still be allowed. No conservation laws in effect wherever this is. Oh my god! Is that the person that wrote the book? Yeah, so this is the person that wrote the book that Blonde is based on. So I was like, "Your creative output, I'm not interested in because you seem incredibly sort of humorless and like even people who do serious things, like David Lynch makes very serious movies, but he's 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 got a sense of humor. Like you need you need to mm. see the world as the joke that it is sometimes, whereas this yeah lady doesn't seem to. Oh yeah. So I can see now, like, this film is being based on this book. And if she has no humour or any sense of, like, empathy, she would have wrote... She just wrote a book about Marilyn Monroe and just exploited her. So she wrote the book. Then the director Mm. did did an interview this week where he... So the, the guy that then adapted the book into a movie did an interview and the whole interview is available online somewhere but like one quote he said is does anyone watch Marilyn Monroe movies implying no nobody does kind of thing what yeah. 
I love Marilyn Monroe and movies. The, what are you so the interviewer says, well, I do. And he says, what movies do you like? And she mentions that her and her friends enjoy Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. He then describes the movie Gentlemen Prefer Blondes as being about well-dressed whores. Yeah. So I read the, I read the quotes from that interview and I read the tweets from the author of the book and I was like, you, this uh, movie maybe isn't for me because it sounds... I absolutely understand now why this movie is this way yeah. because he has no empathy with his character. And How can you make a movie about someone the, oh, that you can't see as a person? Yeah, and, but that's the thing. I think Anna de Armas felt compassion for this character, so there were some scenes were like amazing. There's one that's mesmerizing in the first hour. And I kind of, you know, even shed a little bit of a tear. But then he just, the way that he he does things are just so horrible. Mm. And yeah. So, yeah, it's a shame because... Yeah, it is a shame because I'd like... To, I'm also... Because I don't like... I don't really like to watch really standard biopics. Like if they'd just made a really ordinary story about the life of Marilyn Monroe. I wouldn't really want to be interested mm. in watching that. I was interested to watch a movie that was described as like not a straight biopic and chronologically out of order mm. and more of a mood piece yeah. about her life. But then it just feels like it's going to be three hours of sort of unpleasant pain. And like, yeah. even if you want to make a movie that, that that honestly depicts the way she was treated by Hollywood and, and, and puts that under the microscope, fine. But you still have to fundamentally start by seeing her as a human being who lived a, a, yeah. a life. Um, and yeah. it feels like these two people, um, Joyce Carol Oates and Andrew Dominic, just see her as a cipher for a story about the tragedy of Hollywood and uh, incapable of viewing her as a person in her own right. Maybe they'd, they'd say I'm wrong, yeah. they'd disagree with that assessment and I haven't seen the movie, but that's the perception I've got from the various hmm. interviews I've read. Yeah. yeah. So... No, it doesn't sound yeah. like something I'm going to run and watch when there's more, you know, there's better stuff to look at. And yeah, and the last one, uh, album that came out this week, uh, new Blackpink album, Born Pink. Oh, yeah. Uh, eight songs, 23 minutes. Mm. Sounds a bit more like an EP than an album. Yep. But uh, very, very good album. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they've changed their sound a little bit. Uh, Jisoo and Rose wrote one of the songs, which is Wow, amazing. imagine being allowed to do yeah. that. I know. You know, I think they have a little bit more creativity in this one. There's one song that only Rose sings. There's a couple of songs that are only in English. Um, there's a lot of ballads, you know, being the, in the album before, there was more like, you know, a bit more dancey and rocky there's a few more ballads here mm. of course the album starts with the with the two singles pink venom which is stuck in my head and shut down um and it ends with that uh, video that i showed you and i shared a couple of weeks ago um they won that um uh, the pub, concert the, the PUBG pub, mobile pub, thing <laughs> yes yeah yeah, but uh, it's a, it's a good album, and if you have twenty minutes available, <sighs> it goes, it goes, it just uh, you know, starts and finishes in no time. Yeah, there's a bunch of albums I want to listen to, and that is on the list. Um, 
because I've not listened to any new albums for ages now, so I will get to Blackpink along with various other things. Yes. It sounds good. Uh, yeah, it is uh, It is good. And uh, and that's it for my culture catch-up this week. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. Other than yeah. maybe Blonde. Brr. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Um, it's got some time for some MyTube. Um, right, there's one that I'm only going to show you if you haven't heard the news about it because it's not interesting otherwise. So, have you heard okay. the Deadpool Ryan Reynolds related news from this week? No. Nope. No. Okay. Let's assume that you haven't. Why well, haven't? Well, yeah, but you might have heard it in a different context. But if I mention that context, oh, okay. it wouldn't be interesting. Um. So try not to read any relate. Try not to look at any related videos that pop up on the on the side of this video okay. and send you anything. Just focus on the video itself, and we'll okay. watch this little clip from Ryan Reynolds' YouTube channel, and you can react to it however you feel. Okay. There you go. Positively. Well, we'll see. Okay. Let me know when you're ready to start. Uh, I'm going to close my eyes in a second. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to read. Do I need to read the title? Uh, the title doesn't matter. It's just called Deadpool Update. Ah, okay. So George sent me a video uh, with Ryan Reynolds sitting on a sofa mm -hmm. or a couch, if you're in America. Yep. Um, uh, calling it, uh, and the title is Deadpool Update. Yes. Should we give it a go? Okay. Of course. All right. Three, two, one, play. Hey everyone, uh, we're extremely sad to have missed D23, but we've been working very hard on the huh? next Deadpool film for uh, a good long while now. D23? That's like a Disney convention where they make loads of announcements about films okay. and stuff. So he's talking about how Deadpool is coming to the MCU, the next Deadpool movie okay. will be in the MCU, and he's struggling to work out how to make it. Okay, and he's working out. Yeah. He's drinking, uh, he's putting some alcohol in a cup. His own aviation gin that he sells, because he's always got to... Okay, his... he's having a poo. Yeah. But what's this? Yeah. It's completely empty up here. And ah, so he has no ideas for the oh, new Deadpool. One idea. Hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? Yeah. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. So... So does that mean that Hugh Jackman is being Wolverine in the new Deadpool? It's exactly what it means. Wolverine is back and Hugh Jackman wow. is playing him. Wow. How, how does um, Ryan Reynolds have so much 
creative input in like he's talking as Ryan Reynolds <laughs> about this new re- like this new Marvel film well with Hugh Jackman and he's not talking as Deadpool he's talking about has Ryan Reynolds how, how has he got because the story of bringing Deadpool to the screens is like in, in Exorably intertwined with Ryan Reynolds because he has for years famously publicly wanted to play Deadpool in a movie. Yeah. Eventually they cast him as Deadpool in the X-Men Origins Wolverine film where they scar over his mouth and he can't speak and it's not really Deadpool and everyone, uh, yeah. was fa- you know, yeah. everyone hated it. And then it's years and years and finally they made a Deadpool movie and I think that he produced it. Like he is creatively involved in it because he's so publicly okay. for years made it clear that he mm. wanted to play Deadpool. So I think he has like a, he does have a creative input yeah. in the movies kind of thing. Like he's okay. more than just the star. Um, I'm not, a yeah, massive, okay. I'm not a massive fan of Ryan Reynolds or Deadpool, but uh, I do like Hugh Jackman. So I'm now kind of a little bit excited about um, the yeah. next Deadpool movie. Cause we all thought we'd seen the last of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And also now he's going to be officially part of the MCU technically. Um, yeah, and it's so Ooh. lucky that all those years ago they cast a man who doesn't age to, to play. I know, <laughs> it's the same, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, has anybody else been Wolverine? No, it's only been Hugh Jackman. In terms of like un, in a live action theatrical release movie, he's, he's yeah. pretty much easy guy. Yeah, he's never like he's, he's the same as like when it came out twenty years X Men came out like twenty years ago. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um. And yeah, people were like, "But he died in Logan," so they had to put another video where they were like, "Logan's set in twenty twenty nine, so it's fine. This is before that." And uh, crazy oh, yeah. times. Oh yeah, Logan. Yeah, I, love that I know. And I think some purists are probably a bit like, "But that was the perfect goodbye." And I'm, you know, nah, don't worry about it. No, that film still it's exists. never the perfect goodbye. We, we'll take we more of it. Back. And it'll be, you yeah. know, it'll be funny in some way. And I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. So I like Deadpool. So. Yeah, it's fi- it's fine. Like I've watched and laughed at both Deadpool movies, but I've not watched them twice. Any of like I've seen them in the cinema, okay. and that's it. And that's that's fine. Um, mm. But I'll I'll I mean yeah, Deadpool three, whatever they end up calling it, Deadpool and Wolverine, whatever it is. Yes, yeah. and you know people are already saying put Wolverine in the yellow costume from the from the comics for this one, please. Oh, really, that'd be. A- Amazing. Yeah, I really hope. But a little bit cheesy though. Yeah, but they gotta come on, you gotta do it. <laughs> it was so annoying when they had like that first X-Men movie came out and they're all wearing black leather costumes and the director was like, uh, you know, it's too silly to put those spandex costumes on screen. No, it's not. Mm. Spider-Man does it. Give Wolverine his yellow thing with his big spiky <laughs> mask. Come on. Anyway, whatever. Um good. Good, that's exciting. Right, something else that's exceptionally exciting. Are you ready for this? Yes, always. Good. Uh, I am, like, doing a wee-wee in my pants just thinking about um, this <laughs> thing that we're about to watch the trailer for. You'll, okay. you'll see why when you open it up. So, ah, so George has just sent me another trailer. Oh, that wasn't a trailer one before. A trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Last of Us official teaser, HBO Max. So The Last of Us is that video game that you and Dan love. And they're making, <laughs> look how happy you look. <laughs> You're panting. You're like, ah. uh, and is, uh, is, a, is a very popular video game. It's amazing that I know. Yeah, that's how popular and, it is. Uh, I didn't realize they were going to make a series. 
Yeah, there's a or or a film. It's a series. It's going to be a series. Okay. It looks extremely faithful. Let's just watch the trailer and you can see what you think of it. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Oh, that music. Man from the back. Oh, everything is bad. There's some country music, and he's sad. You, when you're lost in the darkness. Oh, somebody is tied up. Mm. It looks pretty grim. It's gonna be very grim, yeah. Yeah. So it because it's an HBO series, it looks a little bit like The Walking Dead. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to make it not look like that. It also, I mean... Yeah, because it's kind of similar. What, is it zombies as well? It's, in the, it's sort of, of us? fungal oh. infected humans. They're kind of zombies, but not really. You know, if they wore masks, they would, like, solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do, actually, in the game, when you go into a place that's particularly infected by the fungus, you do put a mask on. So. Oh, there's one of the actors from uh, Euphoria. Yes, well. yep. Oh, and there's uh, the guy from. Quick shot of Mel- Melanie of Linsky from Yellow Jackets, who's wonderful. Yeah, there's a lot of people I know, but I don't know their names. And the girl from Catherine called Birdie, the trailer we watched last week. Is, ah, yes. Is there. Pedro Pascal. A Pedro Pascal. And a creepy clicker. Uh, a, cl- a clicker. Is that is that is is it, it's got a brain for eyes? Well, look, no, clickers are pe- pe- people who have been infected for an extremely long time, and the fungus has taken over, and that yeah, their eye has uh, it's not brain, it's just like fungus growth stuff, but their eye nice. their eyes have been destroyed, so they can only hear. Um, oh, they're creepy. Okay, interesting. What do you think of that? Well, it looks good. Uh, it looks grim. Not grim, dark. It looks dark, and it's got this sepia tone to it. So there's not going to be much happiness, is there? No, but through that, through that, <laughs> through that grim darkness, can can be found hope and light occasionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not mm. the most uh, happy world, the world of The Last of Us, but um, it's what is probably if if any video game ever has been primed to be a good. To be able to be adapted into a good uh, TV or mm. film, it is absolutely the last of us. So I'm really excited. It looks extremely faithful. The first shot you see Joel. He's got a watch on that's got um, some bullet holes in it. And anyone who's seen the um, who's played the game knows knows like that. That's quite an important detail, and it's good that they're that they're they're that sort of you know faithful and sticking to what has come before kind of thing. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Nice. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, before we move on from my tube, did you, did did you do do we have time for a quick music performance or? Of course. Yeah. Today we have lots of time. Okay. Our last episode, George, was like two hours and forty six minutes. <laughs> that was basically because we'd seen so many blonde. things and we had to argue about. <laughs> yeah, but better than blonde, right? Yeah, much better than blonde. Mm. All right. God. Uh, okay. Music performance. Ah, oh, yeah, I wanted to watch this one, but I was hoping that you might show me on my tube. Oh, here we go. Um, so, go George just sent me Jimmy, the Arctic Monkeys performing Body Paint on the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Yep, the second single from the upcoming album, The Car. I continue to be filled from head to toe with excitement and anticipation for their latest album. Uh, one of my favourite bands ever. Uh, you were... 
mildly underwhelmed by their last single. Um, So let's see what you make of this one. Just because it didn't feel like a single. No, which is totally fine. Yeah. I, I, I can appreciate that the direction they're moving in isn't necessarily for everyone, but uh, mm. it's definitely for me. And yeah. well, let's see what you think of this, because I think it's more of a song. Um, and also we get to see lots of Alex Turner and his lovely, lovely, lovely face. So um, let's go. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, go. Look at that beard. Oh, Look at- beautiful. Mm, okay. I love Jimmy. <laughs> I know you hate him, but I love him. I mean, hate is a strong word. But well, you really dislike him. Not, not a fan. Hi, monkeys. Ooh, they've got... Uh, this is Mellow too. Is another Mellow song. Well, it's only just started, Alex. Okay. What? <laughs> He's gone back on his Ray-Bans. Has he ever took the, taken them <laughs> off? Uh, he has, but... <laughs> You know, he's indoors. He needs to have sunglasses on. It's important. Yeah. He's doing this thing, like the first single. It's very like... Very like, I'm singing, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I like his voice. (laughs) It's smooth. Mmm, goes down like tea. Peanut butter? Goes down like peanut and butter. Jelly. And jelly. <laughs> Has the album come out yet? No, it's out on the 21st. Okay. But if... <laughs> so again, it's quite a slow song. So if the entire album is going to be with this move... But, I mean, did you listen to the last album? No. This is very much of a piece with that album. Okay. Uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Yeah. But this song, you know, it builds a bit. It does have more ch- change to it. Give it, give it, give it a chance. Okay. It really, it's really looking like Andrew Garfield, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit. Ooh. Oh, he does feel the tears. Is it is the band still the same? Are they all the same yeah, they, members since the beginning? I think they lost a bassist just after their debut back in like two thousand six, but since then they've been pretty stable. Uh, Alex Turner, Jamie Cook, Matt Helders, and the fourth one. <laughs> Poor fourth. Sorry, one. fourth one. It's always the fourth one that nobody ever remembers their name. Yeah, what's it called? Let me look it up. Is he the bassist? Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Poor bassist. Uh, Nico Malley. Oh! Oh, I. Oh, now it's. Uh, oh. And he's doing some nice uh, gestures with his guitar. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so they fooled you the first time, (laughs) and then the second time they went, No, we're here. Yeah, they're rocking out a little bit, but I just, I don't know, I like his, I like the direction he's taking his vocals, I'm a big fan of. 
You know why? Because you just love theatricality. You just love the... Whoa! I do like the theatricality, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think this is better than the first single. And it makes... Me, but I... But I also I think because I'm watching them and watching a performance is better than listening to a single sometimes. Or a video. Yeah, I can see that. Mm. Just smooth like jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just giving us some yes now and some has. Yeah. Bit of a breakdown. <laughs> Matt Helder's going <laughs> ham on the drums. <laughs> that is not going ham. <laughs> yes, it is. He's going ham on the drums. Look at That's it. the most delicate ham. He's going absolutely ham on the drums. Honey, honey sliced. <laughs> He's got a really like his face is just like not impressed. Oh, oh! Is it gonna break the guitar? No. <laughs> oh no. It's got more respect than that. Nice. Yeah. I might give this album a listen. Chill grooves. You should definitely give it a listen. Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty good. It's out on the same day though as Taylor Swift's album. What a you know what a what a what a Sophie's choice. Which one to listen to first? <laughs> well, when is it? The twenty first. First. Yeah, week before the new nineteen seventy five album's out. It's a big month for music. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good times. All right, so uh, that's all of that. How about some homework? Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework now. I guess it's my turn to talk first. Uh, I watched this movie too long ago, really, <laughs> because... Um, because I really wanted to see it, but I watched the movie Not Okay, starring Zoe Deutsch. Yes, based on your recommendation. Um, again, yes. from a from a top five where there wasn't really a clear theme to give out for the top five, so we just went that way. Um, first of all, Zoe Deutsch, great. Big fan of Zoe Deutsch. Um, yeah. Daughter of Leah Thompson from uh, Back to the Future, so, you know, obviously good times for that family. Well done. Um, yeah. She plays a lady who is desperate to be popular. She's obsessed with uh, social media. She works for a BuzzFeed-esque ma- online magazine uh, in America and uh, is a graphic designer, which, frankly, great job. Good position to be in in life. However, yeah. she wants to be a writer. She wants to be known and famous. And she wants to be with her crush, uh, yes. Pete Davidson, played by Dylan O'Brien. Um a Pete, a Pete Davidson Pete type Davidson. called something stupid, I'm sure. Yes. Let's check. Colin. Oh, not that stupid. Um, <laughs> fine. Anyway, she's in love with Colin. Colin doesn't know her because she doesn't have enough followers on the old gram, as it were. So she concocts a story for various reasons yeah. that she's going to go to Paris on a writer's retreat, uh, which I don't know about. Like, the only issue I had with this movie is do you not feel like people would just be like, all right, go go to Paris then. People act as if she's like, it's been announced that she's going to star in her own TV series or, or film or something. Do you know what I mean? I guess, I guess maybe I guess Americans have Paris, more of a... Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess. You know, 
Like they don't just get into their Eurostar and go to yeah. Paris. I guess if somebody I knew was like, day, I'm going to go yeah. to a writers retreat in Paris, they'd be like, oh, good, well, enjoy that. Um, good for you. Anyway, she she uh, says she's, but obviously she's not going to a writers retreat in Paris because, um, despite being successful and beautiful and, um, you know. D- despite being by by all appearances somebody who has got a fairly successful life, everyone hates her and thinks she's awful. Um, for some reason, yeah. But only because yeah, I, I think a she just try puts hard. too much. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think she she's just tries try too hard. hard. Yeah. Um, she holds up in her apartment for a week and uses her green screen and graphic design skills to manipulate images to make it appear as if she's in Paris having her writer's retreat and her follower count starts going mm. up because people just love pictures of croissant and um, croissant and the Arc croissant. de Triomphe. Uh, so that's all happening. <laughs> and she, she posts a photo of her having breakfast in Paris. And obviously because of the time difference, it's basically her bedtime. So she posts this photo of her next to the Arc de Triomphe and then she falls asleep, and while she's asleep, uh-oh, horrific terrorist attack uh, at the Arc de Triomphe and in various other places in Paris. Everyone's like, yeah. she wakes up to a load of missed messages, calls, etc. people being like, oh my God, are you dead? What's going on? Da-da-da-da-da. Because it's a movie, the choice she obviously makes is to just go with it and pretend that she was there and that she's survived, and oh my God, thank you so much, everyone. Um, intense stuff there uh she immediately becomes like a what do you call it um oh, what, am I, what word am i looking for like a kind of celebrity um survivor mm. of this of this tragedy yes and she just uses it to further her writing career and get more famous and get closer to colin the pete davidson type and um Obviously, completely, uh, complete betrayal of everything and everyone she knows, etc., 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 and um, yeah, yeah, she, and and she ultimately connects with the the kind of the point of no return is when she connects with the survivor of a school shooting, um, Rowan Aldrin, played by Mia Isaac, who steals this movie entirely, is incredible. Yes. Um, yeah someone with genuine Absolutely. trauma who has transitioned not into being a celebrity because she wants to be a celebrity, but into being a, a public speaker and activist for, you know, better gun control and uh, better civil rights, etc. Yeah. And um, obviously you can predict where it's, it's all going to come crashing down eventually and she'll get caught and all the people that have become her friends will abandon her, etc., etc. And you'll see how all of that plays out. Uh, it's a pretty funny movie. It's a pretty well-made movie. It's a well-directed mm-hmm. movie. It's a well-written movie. It's a well-acted movie. Everyone's very good in it. Dylan O'Brien is very good as a Pete Davidson type. Uh, Zoe Deutsch is very good as Danny Sanders. Uh, Mia Isaac is really good uh, as the activist. The various other supporting characters are really good. And it just goes down really smooth. And it's really it's a really easy watch. It makes you think. Mm. Um, it has things to say about the state of social media and the way people use social media and... Um, also, the ideas around public shaming, yeah. etc. It doesn't take any easy paths out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give its lead character an easy way out. It, it judges that character for what they do and they, they suffer the consequences uh, appropriately. 
and um, there is a monologue in the closing minutes from uh, Mia Isaac as Rowan, which is uh, devastating and beautiful oh, and worth the price beautiful. of admission alone. Uh, and also, the price of admission is nothing. It's free because it's on Disney+, Plus, uh, which everyone has, obviously, for free, so you can go watch that there. Yes. And, um, yeah, enjoyed it. Or Hulu in America. I think it's on Hulu. Good. Yeah. And did you think the ending was really good? Like, I thought the ending was, like, different from other endings. Yeah. And it ended yeah. Like, I thought like, the ending really was great. I think it way. ends in a really good way. Um, Just really. It yeah. takes a big choice at one point where it has... It has um, Zoe Deutsch's Danny go to a... this Once she's been discovered, she's going to a support group for people who've been publicly shamed. And I have my own feelings on public shamings and how awful and inhuman I think they are. Um, yeah. Even to the point... Even someone who's done something like Danny, yeah. they're going to suffer the consequences for that. The idea that for the rest of their life, everyone is following them around, reminding yeah. them of the, the worst mistake they've ever made. Um, no human being can live like that. Anyway, yeah. she's going to a survivor group for survivors of public shaming in which one of the group members is Quinn Shepard, the director of the movie as herself, who then has a conversation with her character that she's mm-hmm. written. And, um, it, it, it comes close to not working, but it does work. I think. Um, and, mm. uh, I think Quinn Shepard seems like a very intelligent, smart author who um it, whose work mm. I'll, I'll happily watch again in the future. I thought she did a great job with this film. So yeah, thank you for making me watch it. It's good. People should go out and watch Not Okay if you haven't watched it yet. Like I said, it's totally free. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. <clears throat> what was cool. your What was your homework? <clears throat> so I had to uh, listen to. Uh, an artist that you had just seen live as a uh, as a supporting act for Phoebe Bridges. So I listened to uh, the second album by Barty Strange, Farm to Table. Uh, I it took me a while to get into this album, uh, but I really I really enjoyed it. Why did it, it took you a while I to get into I, it? I really like it. There's there's quite a lot of I don't know. I didn't. I didn't find it. I found it a little bit like dull uh-huh. at the beginning. I don't know why. I just felt like I didn't have the connection yeah. that you might might have had mm. because I had I hadn't seen him. Uh, but um, I gave it some more. T- I listened to it a few times, and you know, then it gets. It's yeah, a, no, I think it's. Fair. I think it's a grower, <laughs> for me. Um and but now I I really I really enjoy it. I think it's a really good album. He's a uh he's a great artist and there's some songs that are really catchy, like the um, the first yeah, one, Heavy Heart's uh, a great Heavy song. Heart, uh, which is like amazing. And you know, there are some there's some there's some really good catchy songs and he's you know a little bit and mm. it's completely different from the first album. Uh I'm not sure if I, maybe because I've been listening to lots of like you know, Beyonce and Lizzo, I needed a little bit more like oomph and it took, I had to like go back to kind of being a little bit less <laughs> screaming while I okay, drive yeah, and a fair. little bit like more mellow, but I think it's a really uh, good album and I would definitely Thank recommend you. it. I think it was a good recommendation. What do you think of the song where he's sort of yeah. the most closest to hip hop on the album? The, the, I think it's called Cosigns. Uh, the fourth track where he's sort of rapping about being friends with Phoebe Bridges and various other. That's I like that. Yeah, yeah it's a good, yeah. good track. That's amazing. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's a good varied album. Like there's a lot of like um changes in the album and there's there's a song uh, I think it's called this one at the end that, that it just distorts the sound mm. completely the song called we were only close for right. like two weeks it starts in a really like it kind of distorts the sound and makes it a little mm. bit like unpleasant to listen to and then it's just a it's just like then becomes this like kind of really nice song no I, I liked it I thought it was oh, uh, yeah. really good uh one thing though yeah. Because I'd never seen him and I've only seen his album covers, I didn't oh, right. realize that he was black. So when he says the N word a <laughs> few times at the beginning, I was like, what? And it's quite it's quite good to have somebody a bit like uh, maybe Childish Gambino to go some somewhere maybe a little bit different with music as a Yeah, as I mean, he started off by doing covers of national artist. songs. So yeah, he definitely sort of forges his own path and doesn't allow his background yeah. to. Yeah. Define him, but still brings it into his music. Exactly, which is really yeah, good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's a, that's a big plus of this album. But because I didn't realize <laughs> what he looked like, like whatsoever, and when it's weird how sometimes you listen to mm. albums but you don't really look at the artist. And then I was like, why is he saying the N word so much? Yes. And if uh, you want to, absolutely. Good <laughs> album art, to. though. I reckon on this album, I like the uh, yeah. the art. It's pretty weird. Yeah, yeah, weird. definitely. But if you look at his uh, his first album as well, he, there's no sign that. No, he's what, not putting himself on his like, own colours so. for sure. Uh, no, so I was just like, oh, it's just this dude, and uh, yeah. Yeah, good guy though. I like him. Good on Barty. Strange. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Excellent. Really like Shall it. we move into the final phase of the episode? Five. We are doing top yes. five characters from the universe of BB Breaking Bad, uh, including Better Call Saul and El Camino. El Camino! Yes. Uh, yeah, so it's um, we just didn't want to stop talking about this world and characters and stuff, so we thought we'd go jump back in no. and do a top five characters and talk about some of the uh, wonderful people within. This has weirdly been the most difficult top five that I've ever done on the podcast for some reason. Um, I was down to two, I had one spot and two people yeah. that I really wanted to mention in my top five and I just couldn't decide between them. So I had to flip, a, I had to literally flip a coin. Mm. I I just went for it and just didn't look at the list again. Fair play. I was like, no, I know who I like. Done. Yes. And it's no, definitely Tuco not Tuco Salamanca. Horrible. Hate Tuco Salamanca. <laughs> um Yeah, bad 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 bloke. Um so yeah, I've picked my list and it's uh very better call Saul weighted. Uh because mm. Yeah. And I don't I don't yeah. think it's because it's fresher in my mind because I've actually watched the first two and a half seasons of Breaking Bad over the last couple of weeks. Uh, just because I felt like going back and watching mm. it once uh, Better Call Saul had wrapped up. And um, it is amazing. It still holds up, and I, I love Breaking Bad, but I definitely have more love in my heart for Better Call Saul. And the first episode that he turns up in in Breaking Bad is is it's like a, an, ama- it's an amazing moment to see him walk into that room and look way younger than he does in Better Call Saul, despite being 
older, but never mind. Um, yeah. He's got a lot of baby fat in um, in Breaking Bad. Does does Saul Goodman? <laughs> Shall I start then with my number five choice? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, my number five has ended up being after much, much, much uh, soul searching, uh, Ignacio Nacho Varga. Oh, yeah. Low, Nacho. Nacho. Low-level crime guy in uh, Albuquerque with a dad that just desperately wants him to be, um, yeah. uh, you know, a good guy. And he just want, mm. he wants to be a gangbanger, criminal guy, etc. And by the time he realises that's a terrible idea, it's all too late for poor Nacho. Yeah. Um, and um, awful, awful Gus Fring. And awful, awful Salamancas just use him as a pawn in their sordid little games. And it's sad to see. Mm. Uh, played by Michael Mando, who I think is amazing in this role, uh, be- yeah. became famous due to an incredible turn as the villain in um, Vars in a Far Cry video game. Um, and then got the got this role in this and just kind of... Um, he feels potentially like he might not be, but he feels like one of those characters that wasn't intended to be as big as he became in the mm. show, but because of how good the performance was. I don't know if that's true. It might not be true because Saul Goodman does mention Nacho in the, the first episode of Breaking Bad that he pops up in. So they must have had yeah. a plan for this character to be a, a thing, but um, it does feel like he, he became quite big. Um, mm. And I just, he's, he's great. He's, he's, He's like the be- he's better call Saul's Jesse Pinkman really. He's the he's the guy that mm. does I think But better. Well <laughs> better. A better Jesse Pinkman. Maybe. But he's the guy that has a good heart, makes mm. bad choices, and then every time he tries to do the right thing, the people around him just um end up destroying him, basically. Yeah. Uh and then that final scene he's in well with full spoilers, by the way, for all of yeah. Saul. His final scene in Better Call Saul where he tells um Hector Salamanca exactly what he did and what he thinks of him um is great. Uh that that episode where he's escaping from the Salamancas and hiding out in mm. that motel and ducking himself into that thing in that tanker, etc. Uh yeah. is great. I love Nacho Varga. I think that he is um part of big part of the reason why that show is so good and like mm. it they needed him to be good because you watch better call saul initially because you want to see J- saul goodman or jimmy mcgill or whoever it is you want to see bob odenkirk and his adventures and early on when they kept pulling away from that to show you the cartel and the the world of drugs and crime it, 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 it could have easily felt like why are they doing this I just want to see the latest con that Jimmy's pulling but because a lot of that time was spent with Nacho it worked because mm. he was so good so yeah and it was between him and Mike um, and Trout and I could have easily put Mike on number five mm. on the list as well but I ultimately went for Nacho so yeah mm. there we go what's your number five pick my number five is a character that has been in uh all three. Oh. Yeah. And uh, I think after you know about this character, at least for me, he's always in the background. And his, uh, my number five is uh, Ed Galbraith, played by Robert Foster. And ah. he's the disappearer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I don't know. I really love this character. Because once we get to know him a little bit better, I think we get to know him a little bit better at, towards the end of Breaking Bad, but in El Camino. Mm. 
No, maybe more towards the end of Breaking Bad, isn't it? When he goes and visits... Um, yeah, he's, when Walt's Walt. hiding out in that shack. Yeah, when he's in the shack. And then and then when I saw him again in uh, in El Camino, I was like, wow. And then, you know, you see him in The Better Call So. He's a character that, like, when you find out, when I've, you realise his existence, mm. he's always there. So, like, even when he's not on screen, because in Better Call So, in the, in the last season, he... When he's in, when he's in the bin, you know exactly what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and he's yeah. supposed to phone yeah. Ed, the disappearer. Yeah. His front job is to sell vacuum cleaners, yeah, yeah. which is like the most mundane thing, and uh, he's the most mundane guy. Mm. But in reality, he makes you disappear, and so he saw Goodman in one of the last well. Uh, the last scenes uh, in the last uh, s- season of uh, Breaking um, Better Call Saul, he's in a in a bin, and he takes out this um, business uh, card, card yeah. business card, and it's uh, Ed's business card. And even if he's not there, because unfortunately the actor's actually uh, passed away, mm. he he is present. Yeah. You know that he is going to make you disappear. And I just I just loved him, and I really. And maybe he's a bit sentimental, you know, Robert Foster, he did his last, um, in El Camino was the last time that he acted and then he passed away. And um, I don't know, I just love this character and he's so at the back, but so present. Yeah, that's, I hadn't even really, but no, he's a great character. And they did get extremely lucky in casting like one of the great on-screen talents ever um, Mm -hmm. in Robert Foster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, you always got really like once he'd been introduced. Every time he popped up in any of the shows, it was always yeah. a moment of real excitement to be like, "Oh, Robert Foster's yeah. coming!" Um, and his performance is perfect and exactly like yeah. you know it needs to be. And you, you could, you know that if you make any mistake or don't do what he says, he will just leave and walk away. Yeah, because in is it in Breaking Bad that um, uh, Jesse uh, doesn't go the first time and so the second time he has to pay double yeah yeah, yeah, in yeah, El yeah. Camino and uh, and he was like well no you have to pay double and Jesse hasn't got like maybe like a tiny bit and it's like no I need all the money yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's El Camino yeah I yeah. think it is so yeah he's just so but but also like you would assume that he's a nice guy but he's not a nice guy no no but he is a nice guy like he's very confusing yeah. so yeah um yeah. He also played the sheriff in the revival series of Twin Peaks and um, mm. he was great in that. And he's great in, he's in Jackie Brown, I think, right? Yeah. And he pops up in Mulholland Oh, Drive. I love him from Jackie Brown. Yeah. Yeah, so I... yeah, always amazing. Yeah. Good pick. I like it. Well done. I'm glad we talked about Ed a little bit because I wouldn't have uh, mm. thought of him. Do you want to know what my number four choice is? Go. Okay, potentially controversially, uh, a character that I think is in, mainly in Breaking Bad, Appears a little bit in Better Call Saul. Fairly certain isn't in uh, El Camino unless there are flashbacks. Mm. Um, a a a. Not a perfect person, but mm. someone who I think, in comparison to Walt, is is like I don't know. Like compared to, when you compare him to Walt in Breaking Bad, I think he's an amazing foil to Walt and ends mm. up being incredible. And it is Hank Schrader, DEA agent. Oh, Hank! Yeah, um, <laughs> an an idiot, a bum, not a bumbling cop, but like a a racist, stupid DA yeah. agent. Um, 
but and is is he makes bad stupid misogynistic jokes mm. about his wife um yeah. but ultimately you go through those five seasons of breaking bad with him you see him time and time again be so close to catching Walt or ca- uh, cutting on to what's going yeah. on and he always misses it until he finally makes this link and the scene where he oh, has a showdown and finds out yeah. with Walt is just one of my favourite moments in television history. Yeah. Up there with equally the moment in the episode Ozymandias where Walt's desperately begging for Hank's life and Hank just gets to have this incredibly cool moment of being like, Hank, Walter, you're an idiot. I'm dead already. Just like that yeah. moment where he's like... Mike. No, Hank. Hank, yeah. Mike has a similar moment where he... Yeah. But it's the moment where the Nazis are going to kill Hank and yeah. Walt's begging for them to leave Hank alone and Hank's just yeah. like, they killed me. He made the decision 10 minutes ago. And yeah. it's just such a... Oh, it's heartbreaking. Um, mm. And then he's just... He's a good... He's a, he's just a fun character to spend time with as well in some episodes. He's he's making his Schrader brow, his homemade beer, his homebrewed beer. Mm. He's collecting his gems gemstones or his yeah. rocks he's yelling at marie um i don't know i like i like hank you can judge him a lot for being a product of the the world he's in as a mm. you know a law enforcement agent who has really backwards opinions about uh the people he's uh in charge of uh dealing with but yeah i think he comes good in the end mm. um and he is on the he's on the side of trying to I don't know. I think yeah, Walt is Walt is just causing mayhem everywhere, and Hank's just trying to tidy oh, up after him. God. It just, it just, it just Walt. Oh, I looked up like I was watching. I was watching Breaking Bad the other day, and it's the episode where Walt lets Jane die uh, of the heroin of vom- you know vomiting <gasps> in the bed, and I was yeah. like, he's just an irredeemably horrific yeah. man. He's yeah. awful. And I was looking it up online to see what people... And you can still find so many people being like, all the things Walt did that were bad, he just did them to protect his family. He was just trying to look after no, his family. No, he didn't. He was just... He let Jane die because she was taking Jesse down the wrong path and he was trying to help Jesse. So that's not his choice to make. Only for his... But only for his own... Yeah, and for his own selfish was, needs and desires. Yeah. And also because he just wanted... And he... Like, at, at, at that point in Breaking Bad, he actually doesn't really need Jesse anymore because he's met Gus mm. by that point. He could just go and be a cook for Gus. Yeah. But he wants to be, he wants to control Jesse. He wants Jesse to be his son and to do what he wants. His own son yeah. is not respecting him anymore. So he th- yeah. he's obviously think he kind of, there's this sort of almost unspoken psychological thing where he's like trying to replace Walt Jr. with Jesse at times. Yeah. Uh, and he just wants total control over Jesse's life and somebody else has come in. And, you know, Jane has made some big mistakes. But... But for Walt to stand there and let her die is like such an irredeemable, yeah. evil, bad thing to do. And the fact that you can still find people online defending Walter White is no. stunning to me. People are so desperate so, for him to be the good guy. This this sees like these three, like this world is so it gives you such visceral feelings, doesn't it? Yeah. Sometimes you go what. No, like you're just so angry and you go and it just the the way that Walt did things in such a childish and petulant way, you Mm -hmm. know. Oh, and the best because he could have had a good time. He could have had the, he could have, 
been, could have cooked for Gus, done his nine-to-five job, got his money and left. But no, he wanted more, didn't he? Yeah. And, yeah. Awful bad guy. Awful, Um, yes. But Hank Schrader, sort of a bad guy, (laughs) but, you know... Just he's trying to. I don't know. He, I like Hank Schrader. So, what's yeah. your number four pick? My number four might be a little bit controversial, but I love love this character more on in Breaking Bad than Better Call Saul. I feel like in Better Call Saul they made him a little bit more evil, mm. but I, I, I can't. I kind of understand why. And my number four is Gustavo Frink. Oh wow! Played by Giancarlo Esposito. He's pretty evil in Breaking Bad. I I don't know. I've got a really soft spot for Gus Fring. Like so if you have to have like a drug a drug boss, I think he would have to be Gustavo Fring because he's not he's is very cal- he calculates things. He's not like crazy like the Salamanca. He knows he's he's good at it. He he I think if you if you did everything that he wanted you to do, you're you're fine. I disagree. Mm, only because he killed Nacho. No, I feel no, like he not had to he killed do. Nacho. You are, you have to sacrifice a few people before Oof. you can be the best. And what about Nacho? Is a Nacho? Although I love 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 Nacho, he's a bit of a loose you know a loose cannon. Who on which side are you in, Nacho? The Salamancas or mine? Not because of Nacho though. It's because of Breaking Bad. I think his most evil thing is in Breaking Bad. Is it? When he slowly and methodically dresses up in that hazmat suit, takes that box cutter, and then just kills his henchmen in front of Walter and Jesse. There's a there's an when was... there's an episode. I can't. I've not watched it yet. It's not as far as I've gotten in my rewatch. But there's an episode where mm. Walter has caused Walter and Jesse have caused some form of mayhem for Gus. Yeah, they've been dragged back to Gus's to the meth lab, the underground meth lab, mm. and yeah. Walt is doing his usual thing. And yeah. Gus is just saying ah, yeah, nothing. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. slowly putting on this this uh, hazmat suit to keep himself yeah. clean. And yeah. he picks up this box cutter and Walter thinks he's about to kill him. And he instead yeah. he and just he murders No, he murders his, yeah. his henchmen for like yeah. letting them get away or something or letting them escape. Yeah. But it But it's such a pow like he needs he needs in that in that moment he needs Walt and also it's a power thing. So, like sacrificing he, a man like that. No. Bad I know, bloke. I know, but I have, and when and when uh, you know what happened with um with the Salamanca, what's the name of the old one? Hector. Um, he- yeah, what happened with Hector Salamanca, uh, the last scene with the uh, Gustavo, <laughs> where he gets blown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Up is I was like no, because I actually wanted him. <laughs> To be the best, the the drug lord, I I was rooting for him, and because of Walt, because of Walt, everything, all of his hard work they did, all the sacrifices they did, everything gets crumbled, like gets blown up, mm. and uh, I felt sorry for this character because I think he chose a life, and I think he could have been the best drug lord. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been the best drug lord. Yeah, but, but Walter White wasn't. decided to to just destroy everything. And we see part of his humanity in Better Call Saul in one of the last episodes 
where he meets this guy at the bar and is really nice and um like I feel like if everything went smoothly and he didn't have so many didn't have water white maybe all of the sacrifices that he'd made then he would have been a good drug lord <laughs> not like the salamanca who are crazy yeah. i feel that i think that's my my take on it fair enough hey do you know uh in the harley quinn animated series mm. uh lex luther is voiced by mm. giancarlo esposito oh mm. i love his voice yeah, he's as got well. a very good voice very oh, good so voice good. but yeah What's your number three? My number three choice is um, uh, someone who, he's not my number one, but the as soon as we decided to do this thing, I was like, I don't care. I have to, he has to be on my list. I kind of love him despite him being also kind of awful. He is, uh, my number three pick appears only in Better Call Saul, paid by Patrick Fabian, <laughs> Howard Hamlin. Oh, our 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 orange friend, our orange friend, our good perfect boy who didn't deserve the fate that that, that life dealt him. Um, my favorite ever rug pull moment in Better Call Saul, which is full of like moments where they you know recontextualize events and you realize that you know it's a clever show. My favorite ever yeah. moment is the moment where you realize that Howard Hamlin is a nice man who is doesn't have all of the pieces, doesn't actually know truly what is going on between Chuck and Jimmy and mm. that the the roadblocks that you have all along thought Howard has been placing in the way of Jimmy's progress have actually been put there by Chuck. And because Chuck is such a disgusting coward mm. of a man, he's made Howard do the dirty work and created this rivalry between Howard and, and Jimmy, which ends up being the, the death of Howard in effect. Um like if if Jimmy didn't have such an irreparable, broken, damaged view of Howard because of the years of abuse that he suffered via Howard through Chuck, um, mm. he might not have been so determined to ruin Howard's life uh, in Better Call Saul and mm. ultimately be basically the cause of the end of his life along with Kim. Um, yeah. But I just think that Howard is. I just. I, first of all, I think Patrick Fabian's performance is amazing. I think that I, I wish mm. that Patrick Fabian would show up in more stuff because he's, he's perfect as that character. He's orange. He's always got the perfect suit on, and he's, any sequence where he gets underway and starts just like, uh, destroying people with a smile. Like he'll say the heart most awful things to Kim and to Jimmy and do really awful, horrible things. But he just, it's just, for him, it's business. And it's just his every day. Mm. And I love the way that Patrick Fabian delivers those scenes. And um, watching in that final, the first half of the final season of Better Call Saul, as his life slowly unravels because of uh, the antics and chicanery of um, Jimmy McGill and Kim Wexler. <laughs> it's just a wonderful thing to see, to see all of that play out. And you mm. really kind of, like, when he's losing his mind in the deposition meeting because the judge that they've brought in, he thinks has been taking a bribe from <laughs> Jimmy yeah. and he's just laughing and accusing this judge of all sorts. And then he's running off to his office and his pupils are massive and he's been drugged. And mm. it's just so satisfying to see all of that come together. And yeah, I just think that Howard Hamlin is a, is a, is a wonderfully sketched character. And I think that the performance mm. is great. And um, yeah, I think that the, the the relationship between those three characters is the heart of Better Call Saul. All of the all mm. of the crime lord gang stuff they had to do to help lead into Breaking Bad, but the stuff they created just for Better Call Saul 
that's the stuff I, I, I like the most and those three mm. characters and their journey throughout those six seasons is um is incredible in my opinion so yeah Howard Hamlin good gone too soon gone too I don't have the same affection. I think he's cool, but I think he was also like, just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. He tried to let it go. Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) He tried to let it go, and then Jimmy threw a bowling ball on his car. Yeah, Mm. true. Yeah, and also I love the the story that um, Patrick Fabian, Bob Odenkirk, and Rhea Seahorn all lived in a house together during filming and used to practice scenes and things over there. Yeah. Just great. Great that he was a big part of that. What's your number three? My number three is a better call soul character introduced only uh, in the this uh, part of the world and is Kim Rexler, played by Rhea Seahorn. Mm, good pick. Great character to have. Uh, she grows a lot during the season. Her evolution is amazing. Uh, and uh, she's amazing. She's uh, she's great. I could have been higher, but I feel like the last season she did do some things that were not for me acceptable in her character. Mm. Uh, and it's probably it could be because of the toxic relationship that she had with Jimmy or because of what she came decided, you know, where she came from. Uh, so I, I feel that um, because she put Jimmy in certain situations, she shouldn't have like run away, but uh, then it's not her responsibility for Jimmy to be, um, you know, a good person. Um, incredible acting throughout. She's amazing. She's strong. She is independent. She's uh, she's a great character. And we talked about her a lot in the past two episodes. And so I don't think there is much more. Do you think she was going to be as big? Because in the first season, I really liked her, but I don't. I didn't think she was that important. Do you think? She she's one of those characters that because she did so well in the first season she got, you know. It could be that, or it could just be that, like, because the nature of her character is that everything she does is so reserved. Like she's not an emotional person. No. Everything's below the surface, which I think is what's so yeah. amazing about Rhea Seahorn's performance is that she could take a character where she's not able to display emotions in a broad, big way, and she can still make it work completely and take you on that journey. Yeah. So whether it's a result of the character, because it took me, it took me a while to even realize that her and Jimmy were like in a relationship of any kind. Like they're so. Well, at the beginning they were like, he kind of wanted something and she didn't, and yeah. then it took a while, and then they just kind of fell into a relationship. Yeah, but it it's, was it. It's yeah, so they kind of fell gradual into it. and slow. So I don't know if that was the plan or I'd love to know if like they started season 1 knowing where they wanted season 6 to end. It would be yeah. fascinating. The fact the way that Nacho ultimately doesn't play too big a role in the way Jimmy's story finishes, but Kim really mm. does makes me think that maybe yeah. she was intended to be a big part. But also mm. I don't know how much of a plan they had all along. But um Yeah. I definitely think that maybe it was expand. It could easily have been expanded based on the strength of Rhea Seahorn's performance. Yeah, Vince Gilligan yeah. clearly 
likes her a lot because he's yeah. put her as the star of his latest uh, show. Can't wait to hear more details yeah. about what that's going to be. But yeah, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Who's your number two? My number two is uh, the man himself portrayed by Bob Odenkirk across various shows. You can call him Jimmy McGill. You can call him Saul Goodman. You can call him... Oh, I can't remember his name when he's in when he's pretending to be the Cinnabon manager, but that guy Gene Takovic. Yes. Gene Takovic. Um it's it's Jimmy McGill. It's Bob Odenkirk. Well, I have to say it because my number two is also Jimmy ah, McGill. Because it's the same number. Um Perfect. I I, I, yeah. I, I, I mean he he turns up in like as far as I've got in Breaking Bad, uh, in my, on my rewatch where he turns up, like he's such a, mm. he's kind of a one note character at this point. I think they give him more depth as Breaking Bad goes on. I mm. think he's definitely an example of a character that mm. they brought in and expanded the role again and again yeah. as they realised what a good thing they had in in Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, and yeah. you know when they announced we're making a we're making a spin off. It's called Beckle Saul. It's about Saul Goodman. It would have been so easy to to for that to be awful. Like most spin-offs are terrible. Saul yeah. Goodman didn't seem like a character that like, why do I want to spend hours and hours watching the adventures of this sort of horrible Yeah sleazy guy? And then they yeah. just found a way to inject him with so much humanity. And watching Breaking Bad now and seeing Jimmy McGill and he mentions actually in the very first episode he appears and he mentions that his real name is McGill, not Goodman. And I was like, mm. Oh my god, I didn't like it's just and yeah. it you it yeah. feels like even though that performance is so, not because of Bob Odenkirk, but so sort of like, there's not much shade to Jimmy McGill when he, or Saul Goodman when he first pops up in Breaking Bad, but now having seen everything that led to the point where he it feels like such a meteor thing and it feels so sad to see him now, you know, because of real life scenarios, etc. Mm. By the end of Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk is in, is training to do action movies and stuff. So Jimmy McGill is like a really healthy looking mm. s- sort of live guy. And then when he pops mm. up in Breaking Bad, it kind of makes perfect sense that he's added, you know, he's got a bit of dough around his face. Mm. His belt is a little looser or a little, you know, tighter, whatever you say. Um, and it kind of makes sense that he's really sort of let himself go. His hair looks awful and he's mm. just, his life is kind of ruined, but he's putting on this show for the world as if he's yeah. um, a celebrity lawyer. And he's great. He's just great. He's got, there's an amazing, wonderful sequence in Breaking Bad where uh, Jesse gets um, Jimmy to buy his house uh, off his parents. Uh, mm. And Jim, uh, the, the house is on the market for $800,000. And without uh, Jesse being there, Saul uh, organizes a meeting with Jesse's parents to to um put an offer forward for the house and he offers half the price four hundred thousand dollars and they're like well we're not gonna sell you that for that and he's like well what what about when i tell the police about the meth lab underneath the uh underneath the house in the basement um they're not gonna look favorably on that you're not gonna sell it for any amount of money etc and it's just such a great it's such a great Mm. performance a criminal lawyer and yeah i love jimmy mcgill what why 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 did you put mission number two because oh, because I agree with what everything is said, and there's so many layers to him. He's and his names are like the intelligence of like calling him different names as well, because they're like they're different personalities of all years. Mm-hmm. And although he's that he does really bad things, you still feel 
for this guy. You still want him to do well. You still you you. There is a soul in there. He's he, and that's why in a way when. Kim left. I think that was his only his only uh, connection with like humanity, and that's why he became so Goodman. And um, I I don't know. I just I just love that guy. <laughs> I just love him. Yeah. 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 He's good. Because, but I remember in Breaking Bad, I I would find some of the scenes with him just so irritating because mm. he was just so over the top. Yeah. And the fact that we we see. Like his real side on Better Call Saul mm. is just like a nice present, a nice gift. Yeah. To see like the real, like to see Jimmy McGill. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like that. And I think it truly makes character. watching Breaking Bad again better to to know. Okay. The, like it, it, it's actually they've managed to improve the original by how mm. good Better Call Saul is. I think mm. mate, it, it's it's an incredible achievement. I love it. Yeah. So your number two is also Jimmy McGill. Yes. Yeah. Meaning yes. that we go now to my number one. Yes. Uh, which we've already talked about. It's your number three, Kim Wexler. Kim Wexler. Played by Rhea Why so. do you love her so much? I just, I just think she's cool. <laughs> just think she, <laughs> she is cool. I just think she's neat. Uh, I think I just yeah. think I just really love Rhea Seahorn. <laughs> she's smashing. Before. She is smashing. Yes, exactly. She's smashing. <laughs> she's like David Bowie. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just think I just love her sort of. She she feels like an archetype that isn't used often or isn't used well, mm. in terms of like she's so reserved, she's so cautious and slow, and to juxt like the way they juxtapose her with Jimmy, and mm. she slowly becomes drawn into his world, and like you clearly think she makes some really bad decisions at the end of Better Call Saul, which she definitely does, but for me it doesn't reduce how much I mm. like her character and how invested I am in the story of Kim Wexler. Um, the way they rejoin together at the end of that season with mm. her finally making that decision to to go and admit to what part she played in the downfall of Howard and, and give some closure to Howard's widow and the way that learning about that then makes Jimmy adjust his uh, approach to his mm. case. I think that they, they spent six seasons building up these two people and everyone was terrified that Kim was going to die at some point. Oh, and that was... <laughs> That, that was like she's gonna die she's gonna die and it would have been the obvious thing was for her to die and that's yeah. why she's not but no it's because she walked away and made that you know decision that you can view mm. however you feel but the way she comes back and it's like yeah she wasn't there for Breaking Bad but she she kind of was in, as well in a way and like it makes so much sense that Jimmy would pull her back into his orbit as he's about mm. to you know as it all comes crashing down around him kind of thing mm. Um, and and yeah, they're they're both basically living empty lives in other places away from Albuquerque. They've escaped. Uh, mm. Jimmy is wanted. She's not. But it, they're both living as if they are, and she is able to shut down completely and just be just sleepwalk through life basically. And yeah. you see Jimmy attempt the same thing, and he just he can't he cannot. I think that shows the difference between them. That Kim need yeah. Kim needed Jimmy to be driven down the path of like wrongdoing, mm. whereas Jimmy just it cannot help it. Um, at least up until the point the show ends, where maybe he's finally found peace in 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 prison. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Nice. Yeah. Good choice. Thank you. What's your number one then? 
My number one is both a better call soul and a breaking bad character and is the great and only the sleepless Mike Ehrmantraut. Fair play, good choice. Why did I love, love, love. I don't know. He's just a machine, isn't he? He does everything right. He, apart from like you know, getting involved with uh, Walter White. Um, well, he told he, does... go, he told Saul not to get involved with Walter White, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. And he does everything right. He never sleeps. He loves his family. Yes, he he's trying to redeem what he did bad when he was younger as a corrupt policeman. Mm. Uh, he's uh great, and whenever he's on on the scene, you just you just feel safe with him. You know things are gonna go straight, and he does things that he doesn't want to do, like you know killing for Gus. But you got to do what you got to do, no? Mm-hmm. If you're in this life, and he does it with such calm and charisma. He's so intelligent. Everybody loves him, eh, apart from Walter White. But Walter White is a dick. <laughs> true <laughs> so everybody loves uh mike and uh i just love him and i love jonathan banks i love how he portrays him and uh, i think he's a uh, and just sometimes you have the feeling that he is everywhere mm. he's watching you he's listening to you he's somewhere and uh, a bit maybe like ed he's always present because you know how he works. Yeah. And he never sleeps. I wish I had that ability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great. He's amazing. He should have been in my top five, really, but I just couldn't. I just find difficult. The it was it was to a difficult top else. five. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, that's why I just wrote it. I was like, yeah, that's it. Because if not, I would have just. <laughs> well, the first the first time he appears in Breaking Bad is to help dispose of Jane's body. Um, because uh, yeah. he's introduced as sort of because initially he's introduced as Saul's fixer, and I don't yeah. know if the original plan was to have him uh, be revealed to be working for Gus or not. But I guess yeah, they decide you know it's it's interesting the way that that's not how you originally know him, but he does end up being uh, Gus's man as well. Yeah. But uh, the moment he popped up on screen, I was like, ah, oh, Mike's here, and he yeah. is he is incredible. He is such a great character. I do I do yeah. I do love Mike and Jonathan Banks's performance is just perfect. And we've talked before about how great his final scene is where he tells Walter to just shut up and let him die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate Walter White so much. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, do you have... I have some... Um, should, uh, I'll go for my top five and then you can go for your top yeah. five one more time. So my top five was number five, Ignacio Nacho Varga, played mm-hmm. by Michael Mando. My number four, Hank Schrader, played by Dean Norris. My number three, Howard Hamlin, played by Patrick Fabian. My number two, Jimmy McGill, played by Bob Odenkirk. And my number one, Kim Wexler, played by Rhea Seahorn. Great, great list. Thank you. Love it. Uh, My uh, number five is uh, Ed, the Disappearer, uh, played by Robert Foster. My number four is Gustavo Frink, played by Giancarlo Esposito. My number three is Kim Rexler, played by Rhea Seahorn. My number two is Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman, and the other guy, uh, played by Bob Odenkirk. And my number one is Mike Ermintraut, played by Jonathan Bax. Perfect. Um, I have a short list of 
honourable mentions, people that almost mm-hmm. made my list but didn't. Mike at the top of it, obviously, because he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Pinkman, because mm-hmm. everyone just treat, treats Jesse so badly. Um, I'm glad yeah. he got the El Camino movie to get sorted. Yeah. Uh, Huel, because we all have to love Huel. Huel, of course. Lying on Huel. his big pile of money. Yeah. Uh, Gail. The. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. The Walter White fanboy who uh, yeah. gets shot in the face. Yeah. Bad times. Ted Benneke. Ted Benneke. Do you remember Ted Benneke? Ted Benneke. I think he's the character that gets most mistreated, uh, for, like unfairly in uh, in all of Breaking Bad. He is Skylar White's boss at um, the job she works at, and oh, the one she has an affair with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he ends up yes. He ends up basically paralyzed by the end of Breaking Bad in a in a hospital bed because of Skylar's um, because of just because of Skylar and Walter being awful people, basically. Uh, Even Skylar was awful. Yeah, she's not great. She's 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 not as bad. I think people really really hated her. No, for not. I think she's consequences of being her well Walter White's wife. Yeah, definitely. But like Walter chooses to jump into that world. She kind of almost doesn't have a choice. Yeah. I I don't think she's a great person. But and yeah, mm. Ted Benneke is a good example of how awful she is. Gus, who you've mentioned, and uh, the banal face of evil Todd, played by Jesse Plemons. Uh, I thought I was weird <laughs> I put Todd as well I was like am I being super strange because <laughs> I, I just put I was like I'll, I'll, I'll see how the mood is before I say it no he's I mean obviously he's a ma- crazy irredeemably weird. terrible but like such a weird performance oh my goodness like Jesse Plemons is so good <laughs> and also like Todd does stuff that you go are you are you okay? Like, yeah. are you? Is there something that is not right in your brain? Like, is there something missing? Because he's he's terrible. He's, he's terrifying. He's terrifying because yeah. he do, everything he does he does without any emotion. Yeah, it's like you know, going to the toilet or killing a kid. Yeah, you know, it's the same a child, thing. Enslaving uh, a man, <laughs> forcing oh him to cut drugs for you. And that scene was so weird because it's like, oh, oh, everything is perfect. You know, it's, it's yeah. flat. His apartment. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm, I'm glad you said it as well. Oh. <laughs> Horrifying person. Uh, what was your? What are your honourable mentions as well as? Uh, Todd? I, I said Todd, uh, Jesse Pinkman, uh, and uh, Nacho. I love Nacho. Yeah, Nacho, that's fair play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant. I'm glad we talked about this. Uh, so, how about some homework? Mm. I guess it's my... What would you like to set for me well, for this week? from like what I've watched and talked about, I feel like Andor, She-Hulk, Ticket to Paradise, you're likely to watch them at some point anyway. Okay. And Smile is going to no. be difficult for you to watch at the moment. So okay. I, if, I, yeah. if, if you can, I would like you to give the Harley Quinn animated show a go, if you can find oh. a way to watch that. Okay. Harley Quinn... Where where do you find him Prime? So I watched it on Amazon Video, um, but I had to okay. I had to buy episodes of it. So if it's expensive, don't worry about it. But if you okay. can find a place you can watch it, give it a go. I don't know what the okay. streaming situation is. It's got weird rights because it's a Warner Brothers thing, so you might be able to find it more easily. So if you can mm. try and watch some of the Harley Quinn show, I'd, it, I think I'd like to know what you think of it. Um, what would you like to set for me? Uh, I think maybe you should watch that uh, fortune seller, a TV scam. 
uh, at least one episode of it uh, just to see the madness of it but um how how it evolves yeah. and the end of it it's so shocking that it's kind of interesting to watch yeah and the fact that these two women are not in jail anymore and they're just so terrible they're terrible women mm-hmm. and they're like getting interviewed like if i had done that i would just go like no so they, the they participate willingly in the documentary yeah. oh this is yeah yeah, yeah. and they say sources. everything <laughs> they say absolutely everything and you go yeah are you mental <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah no I will, yeah. i'll definitely watch some of that Okay, good. Yeah. I have recommendations for people. Uh, as well as the Har- I'm going to recommend the Harley Quinn show for everyone because I really, mm. I think it's amazing. And yeah, it, I, I think lots of people think it's amazing. It's not as if it's unseen, but yeah, go and watch that. And uh, the movie Smile, An Unexpected Pleasure. Uh, mm. I'd definitely recommend that. How, what are your recommendations? I would recommend uh, this week for people to watch Dating Amber and uh, listen to Blackpink, Born Pink. It's a good album. Well, it's not an album, but they call it an album. Yeah, it's a nice twenty-three one, yeah. minute album. It's like somebody from, somebody from, big no, not BCS. I think released their debut album this year or last year, and it, I looked it up, and it was mm. twenty minutes long. And I was like, "That's not an album. <laughs> that's not an album." On, scamming people here. Uh, so that's been our Breaking Bad era. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah. It is over. Next time we're going to be getting a little bit more light-hearted, right? I think. Yes. 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 Because we're going to be going, we're going to be jumping from Albuquerque to, um, approximately somewhere in the northeastern sort of area of America, uh, place. To to we're going to go to Wonder Wharf. Mm. To the world of a, a little a little family-run burger shop called Bob's Burgers. And next time we're doing top five Bob, Bobby, Bobby, Bob, Bob's Burgers characters, our favorite five characters in the world of Bob's Burgers. If you've never seen Bob's Burgers, you're an idiot hole. Go and watch it. It's so good. <laughs> it's free on Disney Plus. So go and watch it on there or Hulu or whatever, you, wherever, wherever you are. Um, and it's amazing. And the week after, the episode after, we'll be doing uh, the Bob's Burgers movie, uh, which came out this year and is a delight. Have you watched it yet? Yes. Ooh, exciting. So we'll be talking about the Bob's Burgers movie uh, in great detail uh, in, in the coming weeks. So please keep us going for that. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, as always, to have you. Any final words? George, you're the best. Oh, good. Thank you. So are you. <laughs> um, you never asked me for final words. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just found out. Under pressure. I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh... Rate, reviewers, likers, yeah, do everything. Review, you need to do. rate, like, thumbs up, and thumbs listen down, to us. Etc. Listen to it. Uh, go. We're great people. Yeah, go ham on the drums and listen to our podcast. <laughs> Love you so much. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.